Welcome back to the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. This is the HealthWise podcast where we like to encourage the conversation around wellness and resilience. We're back for a new year and uh, we've got an exciting episode for you guys coming up today. Of course, joining me today on the podcast, we have Anna all the way from HealthWise Americas. Welcome in, Anna. Hey, thanks, Ross. Hello, everybody. And our special guest for today is Brett. Welcome in, Brett. Hey, appreciate it, Ross. Nice to see you and thanks, Anna, for, uh, for welcoming me. Uh, super excited to have you on today, Brett, and we'll get into your, your story in a second and a bit of a background of what, about what today's podcast is going to be on. But how we really like to start these podcasts, Brett, is a segment we like to call HealthWise Speed Dating. Are you up for a couple of questions? Oh, sure. I've never been more ready. <laughs> awesome. All righty. So your first question today is, what is that one thing you hate to do in daily life? Oh, uh, we'll say paying bills. Nobody likes to pay bills, and those seem to be a, a regular annoyance. So, uh, yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, yeah 100%. I feel like everyone's going to relate to that. And our second question today is, what is the one expensive yet silly thing that you own? Speaking of paying bills, <laughs> expensive but silly. My child. Yes. Yes. She is quite <laughs> expensive, and, and she's a bit of a kook. So, uh, yeah, we'll go with that answer. Yeah, nice, nice. nice. All righty, let's get into our podcast for today. So can you share a bit about your, yourself, Brett, your background, both personally and professionally? I'm sure the guys out there would like to, to hear about you and, and uh, introduce yourself. Well, I, I'm, I might refute people wanting to hear about me, but I'll be happy to share it anyway. Sure, I've been with the company. I've had two tours, if you will, with Flight Center. I started my first time in 2002. I know a long time ago I was, We'll say I was seven at the time. Uh, I worked with the Flight Center company in Los Angeles, managed a couple of our retail stores. It was a great experience. I was relatively new out of college at the time, went to a job fair. I don't think those things exist anymore. Landed a job. The, the, the recruiter at the time said, would you like a job that you could travel the world and pay your bills? And I said, would I? And signed up right there. Stayed around for a couple of years, left in 06 to pursue a couple of other interests, came back in 08. I was 30 at that time, so you can figure the math out. And then I've been with Flight Center ever since. I've worked in FCM Travel Solutions. I've worked for Flight Center Business Travel. I've done a little bit of our e-commerce. Currently, I head up our customer success teams for Corporate Traveler in the U.S., so professionally, a little bit of a hodgepodge all over the place, which I think is is kind of the norm. One of the things I love about this company. Personally, I, my wife and young, she is now five daughter. We moved to the greater Austin area during the pandemic, built a house out here in the boonies of North Austin. Love it so far. So we've been here for a couple of years, moved down from Philadelphia, got a great little life going on right now. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. That sounds great. So, Brett, let's get into our topic today. So, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about your journey of overcoming that flight center, play hard kind of culture and maybe how it shaped you a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I guess diving into it, one of the things, the reason that that I suppose you guys invited me onto this podcast is I had reached out to Anna a couple of months ago and and suggested that one of the areas that so I've been around for a long time. And one of the, the unique areas of my career, I suppose, is that early on, I certainly was attracted to the play hard portion of the culture. I mean, I was in my 20s. It was the, the nice tribe. I mean, everything kind of 
I work concurrently. It was almost an extension of college to a certain degree. The leaders of the business were really promoting this kind of culture. And I was, you know, I was like, oh, I found my people. This is wonderful. But I had known for some time that I probably played a little harder than some of my colleagues. And you know, over the years that had had produced some, you know, less than desirable results for myself, health-wise, you know, relationship-wise, career-wise, et cetera. So, you know, over the past seven or eight years, I think I'm going on eight years now, I have abstained from drinking and no longer drink at all. So it's not a casual, it's not moderation. I absolutely do not drink anymore. And while that might not be that big of a nuance anymore in everyday life at Flight Center, at least in in the people that I've come in contact with, that is a bit of an abnormality. When I first went down this road, I I don't I, I really didn't have any intention of this being forever. It was like I just need to kind of get myself healthy, et cetera. But as it's as as I'm starting to see the fruits of this labor materialize into, you know, better career outcomes, better relationship outcomes, I've started a family, et cetera. I said, well, wait a second, why why mess with a good thing? So life-wise, this is the, the route that I want to go. But integrating this back into this culture was always a bit of a challenge. And I, I won't say that I've overcome it. You know, I think if anything, the challenges that I've experienced, and I can go into specifics, they, if anything else, they've just kind of given me perspective that the things that I used to previously worry about, about being, you know, maybe a focal point of attention or, or, or whatnot, they, they don't really matter. There's other portions of my life that matter more now. And that's kind of grounded me. I'm more present. I don't really sweat the small stuff as much anymore. So yeah, I, I can't say that I've overcome anything, but I just learned to manage it a little bit better, I think. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing, Brett. And were there like specific moments that motivated a change? Like, do you have Buzz Night or perhaps ball stories that people could relate to? Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait for this part. Yes. I can't wait. Well, I mean, listen, I, I honestly I don't even know if it's a a particular rock bottom. I think it was a series of events over the course of many years. The, the funny thing is a lot of the the buzz night stories and travel stories, I almost viewed them as a badge of honor, to be quite honest. I think that those, to a certain degree, and this is part of my personal challenge, is is that some of the behavior that was so devastating for me has a certain celebrate, you know, is, is celebrated to a certain degree. And for most of the people, that's absolutely fine. For me, it, it just didn't work. So, I mean, I, you know, some of the, the fun stories are, are, I think I was, I was traveling with a group of people in Costa Rica one time and fell asleep on the beach. I had my car parked up there, fell asleep on the beach, woke up, my keys were washed out. It was high tide. My keys were completely gone. I've got other stories of, uh, well, we, I probably should should moderate a little bit. In Macau for the global ball, I, just, I felt I, I was trying to find my room and and absolutely couldn't. I swore I was at where I was supposed to be in my particular my hotel room. I'm banging on the door trying to get my roommate to let me in. No answer, so I just sit down right there and fall asleep right in front of the in front of the door. And come six thirty in the morning, I realize that I'm nowhere near my actual. I'm not even not not only am I not at my hotel room, I'm not even in the right hotel. So that was 
that was a bit of alarm. But I think really the one, if I had to point to one instance, I remember it was a New Year's and it was on a Friday and end of year, end of month, everything. We were working hard and, you know, we, we cracked a couple in the back. Everybody left to go do their party. I still had some things to finish up. And I remember I, I was by myself in the office, completely finishing some stuff up. I took a nap in the back and I woke up the next morning at like 4.30 in the morning, not remembering anything, completely missed New Year's entirely. And the problem with that was I was drinking by myself. And that was a bit of a, a bit of an alarming thing for me to you know, pass out to that degree. So there wasn't one particular instance. I think it was just a, a myriad of things over the years that was kind of a slow affirmation that this probably isn't the right life for me. And and when it got to the point of drinking alone, I think I realized, okay, this isn't sustainable. Yeah, that's fair. Brett, can you tell us some like challenges maybe related to your work environment that maybe overcame and I know you said at the beginning you didn't overcome anything but you worked your way through maybe yeah for sure I think the the my biggest fear when I started this was actually with traveling I was at the time I think I was traveling one or two times per month to visit customers or or teams and you know when I think back on it I'm not sure that there had been a single flight I had taken over the course of the previous 15 years where I had not had a well, I shouldn't say not a single flight because a lot of the flights were early in the morning and I was going for work. But the entire trip, there was a and there would have been something on that trip, whether it would have been a drink at the airport or a drink at dinner or a drink with the customer or a drink with the the colleagues or whatnot that I had to completely change. So it was one thing to be disciplined in my home life and and make sure I'm regimented and on a schedule. But you throw travel and the the uncertainty of travel into that mix it was it was scary and but i have successfully now for the past eight years been traveling and haven't needed to rely on you know the the quick uh drink at the airport bar before you know a cross-country flight or or whatever so i i have navigated that and i suppose pretty proud of myself for that one because that was that was a bit of a challenge that i didn't really think about but made itself quite apparent to me pretty quickly. You're right about the clients though too, eh? Like how you're whining and dining and you're mm-hmm. kind of in that customer relations role. So how do you manage that? Do you just get like a soda or something like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not anything I necessarily broadcast. I do drink a lot of soda water with lime. I stay very, very hydrated. I ask for it in a tumbler glass. You know, if we're out at dinner, you know, I, it's, I can easily just say, you know, no, I'm not going to have any any wine or anything like that at the bars. I don't want to necessarily steer a direction that we won't go anywhere. I'm not afraid by any means of going out. And I'm also not afraid of saying my truth, but I don't walk around with like a giant billboard, you know, pointing to me. So if it comes up, I'm honest, but I don't really, I, I think I'm I'm willing to own my story. I don't shy away from things at the same time. You know, I don't really let it get entertained too far. I just, you know, just ask for my soda water. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And how do you maintain that work-life balance in a culture that promotes that the work hard play hard? What sort of things do you do to try and maintain that work-life balance? Yeah, I, I think that probably has less to do with my, evolution as a non-drinker than it just does my evolution as a human. You know, I've gotten older. I have a family now. 
And I think that the hybrid environment has, has probably helped somebody like me to a certain degree because there isn't the, all right, it's five o'clock, everybody's, you know, cracking them in the back and going to go out to happy hour and stuff like that. Again, not that that's a problem, but when we talk about balance, if that's the behavior, you know, four to five days a week in a high stress environment, it becomes a little bit more exhausting to just say no and have to duck out of that. So for me, that has been an advantage of the hybrid work environment and just having a family. I mean, anybody who has little kids is is keenly aware that your priorities change and, you know, might not be might not be balance, but it's it's certainly different priorities than than just the work environment all the time. So I think it's just a natural evolution. Yeah. And Brett, like, how do you cope with, I don't know, maybe you have some strategies that help you navigate some of those more high pressure situations. So I know there's like the casual drink with a client and things, but are there any other situations that you find trickier to navigate with that environment? So for me, I really required a lot of my days on the road are quite regimented. I wake up before going to an office or going to a meeting and I have to do some sort of exercise. Now I'm not in the exercise regimen of, you know, going to the beach and showing off my, my six pack or, or whatever. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be, but I'm doing it a lot more for the mental benefits. There are of course the, the soft health benefits of better blood pressure and, and weight maintenance and, you know, just being able to be mobile with my little one on the ground and stuff like that. But for me, the exercise element is fundamental to really calming my mind down. I think one of the reasons that I enjoy drinking so much, I just had a natural predisposition to overthinking and overcomplicating and being a little bit awkward in social situations to where a drink, of course, gives you that, that liquid encouragement and, and helps lubricate or turn off some of, those, some of those things. Exercise, I found, has a similar effect. For me, it shuts down that, that noise. So, but it requires some additional discipline being that when you're on the road, you're usually in the office all day, then you usually have dinners after that. So there are a lot of 4.30, you know, 4.30 AM wake up calls and I might be in a different time zone and I just have to force myself to do it because I know that is a tool that's going to help me get to the other side of it. And then, you know, the other side is, so I had actually tried, or I'd, I'd had a couple of attempts at abstaining or moderating my drinking previously. It, you know, you have a, a bad episode here and there, and you're like, I'm never going to do that again. And for, for a while, you're, you're feeling a little bit better about it. But, and then I would inevitably go back and, you know, do something silly again and, and regret it and start the whole process over. The difference between, it's sticking this time and and that is having conversations like this with people like you of of putting my truth into the universe if you will now again i don't have a a billboard i'm not sitting here i mean i would venture to guess that some of my colleagues might be learning this for the first time to be quite honest they it's not anything that i shout from the rooftops but i don't shy away from it anymore and i put it out there for a little bit of accountability because now I'm telling you guys this, if somebody sees me at Global this year, three sheets to the wind, oh, probably got a little bit of a problem. So this is one of my, one of my ways for, for addressing that as well and kind of holding myself accountable. 
Nice. And, and you mentioned that it was perhaps you know, impacting your career as well earlier, earlier on. How, like, since, since you've made the changes, what sort of you know, benefits have you noticed both professionally with your development and also your career? Yeah, it certainly, it certainly had an impact. Now, at the time, I was, I was a travel manager and I was doing quite well, but it was a, it was a, it was a repetitive task. It was one of these that, you know, I could, I could cover up to a certain degree, the aspects of what was happening to me and still, and still achieve the numbers. But, you know, I started to have more sick days and, and, you know, just was unreliable. And from a professional relationship point, that meant that people couldn't trust me. I certainly was losing respect, et cetera. I was fortunate enough to have a, a boss at the time that kind of recognized some of these things and, I'm really, really grateful that gave me the space to kind of work on some of this stuff and get to the other side. And not that I'm, again, at the other side, but in a better place. And it it was a long time coming and I'm not going into, I mean, happy to go into the process with anybody, but I think we're talking more about, you know, how we're managing on the other side. Since then, my leadership skills have certainly... I think improved, but part of that just due to having the perspective and having a, a level of empathy for people, not just going through this, but going through anything in life, making sure, I think from a perspective stance, understanding that what we do is just a portion of who we are. So that this entire journey has kind of helped me get to that. I'm also a lot more present just in general. I am not you know, that, that voice is kind of quieted to a, a certain degree. So I think I've, I've been able to uh, get back some of that trust that I had lost from, from some of my colleagues who have seen me on both sides of this, perhaps some of the respect, <laughs> not, not that that was very high to begin with, but you know, maybe, maybe clawed back a little bit there. So I don't know. I, I, that's probably a question more for other people, but Hey, I mean, I must've been doing something right. I've been around for 20 plus years. So something's working. Yeah, definitely is Brett. So you've been doing this for a while. You said seven, eight years in that time where you've made these lifestyle changes. Have you ever encountered any maybe like stereotypes or misconceptions about maybe not participating in all of those buzz night shenanigans that sometimes, you know, we get up to and, you know, the buzz night is typically like a work setting, technically, right? And if so, like, how could you handle that? So you mentioned, you know, with the client, you just ordered the soda water and this and that. But yeah. in that slightly different setting, how did you manage? Yeah, I mean, again, I stay quite hydrated with soda water. That's that's yeah. the, the, the easiest thing. You know, one of the misconceptions, I think, was actually my own. What I've come to realize is, is people really don't care. And what I mean by that is, so if you, if, if somebody is aware, there is a, almost a morbid curiosity, people do have questions and, and I'm willing to entertain those. And, and sometimes it becomes a little awkward because, you know, what'll happen is I'll often see people like start to have a conversation with me and they're like, yeah, I've thought about doing this before too. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to do this. And then they start well, the next time I'll see them, they say, I haven't had a drink in a week. And I don't want them to think of me as their accountability, unless that's what they want to do. But that's not really 
I don't, I don't want to necessarily have people think that I need to, that they have to talk to me in that particular fashion. But when I say nobody cares, I mean more from the lens of if people don't know, nobody's going to ask what's in your drink. I've always been so concerned with fitting in at these things by not drinking. And I've kind of realized nobody cares because nobody's interested in what is in my glass. Nobody really cares if I don't necessarily make myself the center point of attention that I am going on this journey. So I, I think the the fear of not fitting in was a self-made fear. Now, the part that I had to relearn and and gain more confidence on was, you know, I, as I said earlier, booze helped me feel more confident and looser. And I think it does that for a lot of people. So learning how to engage those muscles, if you will, of having a conversation in a social setting without that lubricant was a bit of a learning curve, but it just took practice, you know, and it took, took, they say this about a lot of things in life. You, you grow the most when you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. It's not a fun thing to do, but if you want to get to the other side, you have to go, you have to go through the the trials and tribulations and maybe have a couple of awkward conversations. But now, you know, I have no problem going to Vegas for global and, you know, staying out till three in the morning and, you know, doing all of that. And and I'll tell you when I have to catch that six o'clock flight back the on, on, uh, on Monday morning, I'm fine. Most people, <laughs> they are severely regretting their decisions at that point. So yeah, totally. Can I appreciate that? But yeah, the, you the, might be one of them. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean, to, uh, <laughs> uh, didn't mean to, uh, to pick on you right there, but it just that's my reality is I, I get to win the six o'clock in the morning flights back from Global. So, yeah. But the uh, the 16 hour flight back to New Zealand's pretty pretty rough out of Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. And, and in, your, in your opinion, Brad, like what do you think? workplaces could be doing to support individuals perhaps in the same position as yourself like what does a supportive work environment look like in your opinion you know this one's a tricky one because i'm not sure you know the flight center culture is is the lifeblood of this organization it's what attracted me it to a certain degree is what's kept me around for so long so i i i don't know if i have I don't know if I have the right to ask it to change. I think what has to change is is me and my attitudes. Now, with that said, I think something like this is a is a start. I don't know if an organization in and of itself is responsible for any one individual's actions. It's a matter of giving them the arena to feel comfortable and thrive. So... I think it just requires similar minded people to me. If there are any, I don't know, but to, to foster a little bit of a community and, and if there was any one thing that the organization could do, it would be to, to nurture that. But I would, I would hate to suggest, I mean, I never would suggest to like change the way the culture is. I love the culture. And honestly, you know, I, I love the shenanigans. I, I love the, the craziness on the dance floor. I mean, if I could, I would, but I can't. So I won't, you know, it's, it's not that I am 
anti this. I just have, have tried for a long time and it was not working. And so now I'm trying to figure out another way to live my life, but to do so within the confines of the company that I've grown to love so much. But that <laughs> is, you know, there are some challenges there, which was what we talked about. Yeah. Would you say, Brett, that any of your relationships with colleagues have evolved through the journey? So back in those, you know, more party days versus, you know, how things are going right now and I guess your position with the company and stuff. I'd like to think so. I, from my vantage point, they certainly have, you know, I have, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I have a, a fair share of colleagues that, that have seen me on, on both sides of this. You know, I don't get to spend as much time with them now as I would have formerly. Everybody has, has grown in their own lives and have families and, and things like that. I do know that when I do have conversations with them that are extracurricular, if you will, that aren't just business conversations, there is a, at least I feel, and maybe they've always been this way, but I feel like there's a, a, a level of just mutual understanding and admiration and, and connection there that wasn't formally there. And really the reason it probably wasn't there is because I was just more consumed. I was, I was living a more selfish existence at that point. And now I, uh, through the effort of just trying to be present, have, have a, have a better relationship. So I'd like to think so. You'd have to ask them, of course, but uh, yeah, they certainly, certainly haven't gotten worse. And again, I, I think just I could hold my head higher just knowing that I can be trusted and and have earned a level of respect that just that isn't just there based on the results I'm bringing in from a from a financial perspective. That's one of the challenges. I was still producing very high results when I was in my you know worst element, but now there is a pattern of doing things for a a a bare cause, if you will, that's not just about how much, you know, dollars I brought in before in yeah. the month. Yeah. So it sounds like your, you know, your openness about, about everything is, is definitely positively influenced your relationships, would you say, Brett? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think the openness, the perspective gained from that, you know, transparency, it, it's absolutely p- positively impacted every, every aspect of my my career, my life, my relationships. No, that's not to say that there aren't still negative challenges. I mean, you know, you just remove this, removing the booze from the asshole still makes the guy an asshole. So there are still times where I can be a bit of a prick and I'm, and I'm aware of that, but I'm able to own it now. I don't have to, I I can apologize. I can, I can have a conversation about why something might have upset somebody and 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 understand where they might be coming from, which is not something I, I previously might have been able to do. So you mentioned a couple of things that you do, I guess, as maintenance. You said you exercise in the morning, yeah. particularly on those trips and things. Yeah. You order the soda waters. Is there anything else that you do or you feel like you need to do to maintain and I guess not ever go back to those old ways? Yeah. I think the, to a certain degree, things like this, and I'm not saying in a podcast format, but being open and honest and remembering one of the things that I, I tell my wife, who is not along this journey, she's what I call a normie. She, uh, 
but I, I have to continuously remember how bad it was. I have to remember that last drink as being, and, and there were, there were some instances throughout my life that had made it, you know, that bad of a situation. I do that by speaking to people, by owning my truth, by, by, you know, talking about it again, not broadcasting it, but not shying away from it. I've also over the past couple of years started journaling and I do it with uh, a, an app based format it just makes it easier. You know, it, it prompts me, you know, how are you feeling or what are you planning on doing today or whatever the case might be. Whereas before I, I kept a lot of these thoughts upstairs and they would just get mumbled and jumbled. That has helped. I don't know if that's maintenance or just what it is, but it's something that I, I do now that I never would have considered doing before. So, yeah. Awesome. It sounds like you got some really helpful strategies there, Brett. Were there any resources that you found really helpful along your journey? I mean, I, there was some therapy involved. I do encourage, you know, anybody to, uh, if you are struggling with that aspect to getting to the other side, I really needed to learn how to be honest and aware of, of what was going on because I was keenly aware of the result, but I wasn't aware of the why. But I'll, I'll be honest, since I've gotten to the other side of the problem and now I'm just dealing with the maintenance and how to live like this, I probably am not the best person to ask in terms of resources because I still have a tendency to, to not ask for help. And, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do even though I'm still not great about asking for help, I have realized that helping is almost a, a way of, of helping yourself. Helping others is a way of helping yourself. So I think that has been a motivation for me to help others in the community and, and whatnot. And long story short, I don't have a great abundance of resources that, I've, that have probably proven to be too tremendously helpful. I wish I did. Would you say you kind of figured it out on your own, eh? Because in this company, there's not, I mean, I know there's going to be some people that are really going to resonate with this and maybe secret or something like that. I know you're not the only one who's probably gone through something like this, but did you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's not that I was ashamed, but it's that I didn't really know where to turn. So it was like, I'm just going to figure this out myself. It was a bit of a white knuckle. And it's been, frustrating because I'm sure there was probably some mistakes I've made in this, but I haven't, I haven't made what I would consider the ultimate mistake and, and gone back to living the way that I did. But yeah, I, I wish I didn't have to, but that certainly it was, I don't know, lonely is the right word because I had other aspects of my life that fulfilled that, but within, within the confines of work, yeah, it was, it was a bit scary. So we're getting through that though. Yeah. And I guess to wrap up, Brett, like any last words of advice or anything for maybe somebody who does resonate with your journey, you know, wisdom, tips that you've gained, you know, for somebody currently facing some of the similar situations that you've already gotten through? You know, I, I think there's two parts to it. There's there's those that are still actively in the confines of trying to determine whether or not they need to address a problem. And then there's those who are on the other side who are just trying to figure out how to acclimate to life on, on that other side. So on the first point, if you're still like, if you're realizing that there's that drinking and drugging has 
is proving to be more harm than it than good. I can just say from experience that white knuckling it, moderation, it, it, it they're they're temporary fixes that you probably really need to talk to somebody and and you know whoever that is to really get a, a determining a determination of if you need to address that that problem once and for all. On the other side, with kind of the maintenance of it, you know, for me, what I've really been trying to do is is just own my own story. You know, I'm creating my own narrative here. I, you know, I I, I wear it to a certain degree as a badge of honor. It's almost like this is a part of that most interesting man in the world thing in my mind's eye because it's not like I've never experienced any of the the fun that comes with you know a night of drinking and 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 whatever the case and you know, yeah, it, it it's great. But at this time, like this is now just part of my journey and I'm owning it. And, and, and I'm quite proud of it. You know, there is a, um, there was a quote that I used to live by because it kind of excused my behavior. It was good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. And, and I was like, oh, well, this is great because I'm gaining, you know, all the experience in the world and someday I'll have good judgment as a result of it, but I'm going to make a ton of bad decisions now. But on the flip side of that, I actually am, am bought into it that, you know, I actually have a lot of, uh, I don't want to say wisdom. I don't necessarily consider myself a wise person, but I have some perspective that I can share. I think that I make better choices. I think I have good judgment and I'm owning that. Part of my narrative is a lot of that came from all the stupid shit that I did a long time ago. So, and that's, that's a a fine place to be. When I write the story of Brett, you know, write my memoirs and in 40 years, it can all be a part of it. And that's empowering and it feels good. Awesome. You've been an absolutely amazing guest, Brett. So thank you so much for jumping on our podcast today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Super insightful. I know so many people are going to identify. I think fantastic. A lot of great gems in there, Brett. So thanks so much. Well, thank you guys for thinking so. I enjoyed it. It was fun chatting with you guys. And yeah, hopefully hopefully it, it resonated with a few people. But there you have it, guys. That was episode 13 of the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If this podcast made you think, if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your flighty friends and we'll catch you in the next one.